If you've been with us, we've done a now four-week teaching series that concludes this morning called Can't We Just Talk? And we've been talking about why can't we talk about the things in our lives that have to do with the family issues that no one wants to address and we just avoid? And this is unfortunately too often the way many of our families look today on our phones, ignoring the real issues going on in our lives. And so we talked about, this isn't just a biological family in here. There are blended families in here. There are families that are not married and they have, uh, you, your family is your sphere of influence, your oikos, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. That we, week two, Pastor John talked about redefining our family. Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and he has given us new family. That's the whole concept of church, is the family of God. And then last week, we talked about conflict in our relationships, in our families, in our biological families, with our roommates. What does it look like to deal with conflict and to seek reconciliation? Pastor Davey did an awesome job last week. And now this weekend, we're concluding it to say, okay, as God begins to clean some stuff up in our lives and deal with those issues, what's it look like? How could God use your family today? How could God use your family today? If you're taking notes, the slide's going to be up on the screen, and I want you to write these things down this morning, and I want you to take it back, and whatever your family looks like, redefine this morning, I want you to discuss the things that we're going to address to have my family, your family, truly live on mission. That's at the heart of what I would love to share. Are you ready to study God's Word together, church? Come on now. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. We're going to go through verse 21. And none of you remember this, but this is actually the passage that we started the entire year with. Anybody remember that? In fact, I'm doing something this morning I don't think I have done in the 20 years I've been doing ministry. I've reutilized sermons before but change them. This morning, I'm reutilizing a sermon and preaching the same thing again with an emphasis on what this looks like in our families. Because I realized that as we kicked off the year of talking about our theme for 2019 was to see God do immeasurably more. You remember that? And the key part here is, as we go out in four different directions to start four churches You're going to hear me address those this morning. We're calling them locations. They're not campuses. They're not video venues. They're going to have live teaching. Within three years, uh, we want to start spinning them off into their own legal entities with their own boards, their own church, so that we could truly multiply and not just add. And those are in addition to the church planting that we're still doing through Multiply Indiana, a network that we got to help start that now in the last three years has planted 15 churches. Did you know that? And, and I want to tell you, you know, all of that is still happening. And in fact, um, and I hesitate to share this because I shared it once on our online campus. I don't even know if we'll report to something like this again. I'm kind of debating it. But we were listed as one of the top 100 reproducing churches in the United States in Outreach Magazine uh, just this fall. And... You know, I'm not, that one I'm not sharing. I want to clap about a lot of things this morning. But, you know, I, I want to tell you, I'm not sharing that to, like, brag about our church. I want to tell you that God is real. He's living and active. And the immeasurably more that we started the year with is actually happening. I went to a conference last uh, week and was leading a very small breakout at 
our uh, networks conference in California, and just some of the, the pastors uh, had came along and were just like asking a lot of questions because they want to understand how in the world God's doing what he's doing here. And some of you that have been sacrificing for years or a lot in the last year in particular, you kind of get on the inside and you miss out on the big picture of what God's actually doing here and how abnormal it is. But I want to take the big picture and I want to apply it to our individual families this morning, whatever your family looks like, of how could God do immeasurably more in your family as he begins to address the issues of reconciliation and conflict. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father. little background on this. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter around 60 AD. It was probably the last of the New Testament letters that we at least have in the Bible. The earliest letters were written around 48 or 49 AD, about 12 years earlier. That was a letter to the Galatians and 1 Thessalonians. But Ephesians is one of the most theologically complex letters because it's much longer later in Paul's ministry. And he's writing to encourage them. See, the church in Ephesus had grown quickly. It was one of the larger churches in the Roman Empire. In fact, his protege, his disciple Timothy, was the leader there. And so he's writing to the disciple that he's made as he's multiplied himself. And he's telling them and encouraging them and challenging them. And you get to verse 14, and before he talks about the big church stuff, And chapter 4 and chapter 3, he begins with this eight verses of his prayer for the church in Ephesus. And it's powerful. He says, for this I kneel before the Father from every family. Did you catch that? I didn't share this back in January. From every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. There is a lot the scholars have to say about this, uh, to these two verses in particular. And let me give you a little uh, depth. Let's nerd out for just a second. The word there, father, is pater or patera in this passage, and it means father, literally. But the word they choose to use for family is not oikos. Oikos could also mean family or household, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. The word they use there is patria. Because they're connecting it to the father that they had just mentioned. So verse 14 mentions the father, the pater. And then in verse 15, it's of the line of the same words. They come from the same thing. Potato is kind of the root. Patria, that family or that grouping together. And it's said in verse 15, if you look at verse 15 again, from whom every family, Patria, in heaven on earth derives its name, that they get their name, their identity from their heavenly father. Now, it says family in heaven and on earth. So first of all, it's talking about your earthly family, right? Whether that is your biological family or your spiritual family. And it's saying that our identity should come from our heavenly father and our submission to him. And then it also mentions our, our heavenly family, about those who have gone on, yes, but also the angels as well that every part of God's created order should find its name, its identity, by kneeling before the Father. If you forget everything else this morning, that might be the most important thing to apply. He goes on and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, 
Some of you are like, dude, uh, my family has a long list of generational sin, and I'm just lucky to be alive today. Uh, living on mission, living, making an impact with our life, seeing God doing measurably more for our family, that's not going to happen because we just got to figure out how in the world we can get through a day without sinning 12 times in a row. If you could just encourage you, you're never going to be perfect. We're going to talk about that. His, the power of God is what's transformative, not you. He goes on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that people might look at you and your patria and say, your family and say, there's all the fullness of God. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's never going to happen, ever. I'm going to challenge you this morning. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. He's the one who's able to do immeasurably more in you as an individual, in your family, in your sphere of influence, in our church, in these churches that we're seeing God start. He is the one who could do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Big idea this morning is this. Every family, whatever your family looks like here, a lot of different types of families, every family could be used by God to live on mission. If you're taking notes, I want to see you this morning. Every family be able to live on mission. Will you pray with us? Lord, we just acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here. And we have all come in with different backgrounds, different expectations, some of us are in here for the very first time. Some of us, we've seen what God's done over the last eight years of our church. Wherever we're at spiritually, God, we invite the presence of your Holy Spirit. May you intercede into our lives and our families. And may you become, we become the people you created us to be. We love you. We give you this time. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. It's been a bright, sunny weekend, hasn't it? Isn't life kind of like this sometimes? Like you finally get a day off. There were some beautiful days this week, and then it just pours down rain like monsoon style all day on Saturday. Here's what my day looked like. I got up yesterday morning at like 6.45 a.m. on my day off because my uh, 10-year-old son decided he wanted to run a cross-country race in the rain. And so I woke him up. I took him there. We got him registered. We stood there for about an hour and 15 minutes. And then he ran the race while I stood out in the rain. Then I finally get him back, and it was fun. He did a good job. We got him in the car. We drove him back home. We ate some, and then we got ready because at about 2 o'clock, we had to start getting ready for the basketball game, which now you didn't think it could rain harder, but it actually rained much harder. And then we had to drive up to Grand Park where they have eight basketball courts, and they uh, bring in 16 different teams at once, and all of their well-behaved parents come into the same space at the same time. It's like you can feel the tension just walking into the space. And then I'm coaching a fifth grade basketball game. Do we have any people who have coached uh, elementary students before in this room? That's a fun experience, isn't it? Kind of an emotional one. I did a lot of yelling and uh, at the halftime, we were down 18 to 10. 
And, you know, but we kept sticking with it. And I'm happy to say the defense stepped up in the second half. We kept them to six points. And we came out with the big victory, 32, or, excuse me, 32 to 24, baby. <laughs> Next weekend, we might lose. You win some, you lose some. It rains some days, it's sunny some days, some days it's exhausting. Some days you work hard and you hold them to six points and you still lose because the offense was bad that day. Some days the Lord sees it fit to allow the enemy Michigan Wolverines to trounce the Fighting Irish 45 to 14 last night in primetime television. That's life, isn't it? That was my Saturday running all over in the, the rain and trying to do all this stuff and all, knowing that I was going to come in here this morning preach three times. And I just, you know, my life's not harder than your life. We all have our own stuff is what I'm saying. And in our family, it can feel like the idea that God could use us on mission to make an impact like that. <laughs> I just like to have one day where my wife and my kids and I all get along without saying something mean to each other right? Like that would be living on mission for us. I want to encourage you. See, sometimes when we talk about like our families living on mission, you get this idea that someday down the road, your family is going to be without sin and you are going to be the perfect parent and your family is going to be the perfect children and your roommates are going to do their dishes every single day just without asking or saying anything. And they're never going to annoy you. That's not how life goes. Is it? So when he says that the family should find its identity from kneeling before the father, there is something significant there. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Because it takes humility. Just like Pastor Davey shared last week, being willing to acknowledge the issues going on in our life. Reconciliation takes hard work, and it means that if you want to see your family unit be used by God, it's going to take continual submission. And here's what I need you to hear this morning. For some of the dads in the room, you just feel like you will never be the spiritual leader that pastors in the Bible seem to have guilted you into trying to be for the last 30 decades of your life, and it's just never going to happen. Some of the, the wives in the room, some of the moms in the room, you feel like, man, I just, I got to get it together. I got to get control of my time management skills and I've got to become that perfect uh, wife and that perfect mom. And I got to make sure I got everything organized. Although I'm getting really anxious, it's causing me to be overwhelmed just a little bit. And so I just quit everything and I go hide in the bathroom for the next two hours. No, not happening to you? Happens to most people. What if you're, you're never going to be the perfect mom? What if you're never going to be the perfect dad? What if your children will never be well-behaved every single moment of the day? Not our family, but your family. <laughs> what I want to encourage you to do is there is this continual act of it's not your family. It is not you who does immeasurably more, but God living in you and through you. And it is a daily effort of allowing God to come in. And the reason that most of us don't is because he kind of messes some things up in our lives. And I, I want to talk about that just a little bit. If you're taking notes, uh, the big idea I want to give you is how your family can live on mission. Here's how your family could live on mission. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have every Bible verse memorized. You can work on it. Those are good, healthy things. But number one, if you're taking notes, it's real simple. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I already made it clear. Near before the Father. Right? He said that's where you get your identity. That is where you should, your family should get its name from, is kneeling before the Father. 
Now, do you realize that it, Jewish customs in the first century, you didn't pray kneeling? Most of the time, you, you prayed standing up. The, the idea that you would kneel and pray, there is a difference in the posture of it, right? Like if, if, if I don't kneel and I pray and I'm, I'm like this, God, here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to heal my marriage so that you can prove to me that you really are who you say you are because I have doubts and concerns. And so I'm going to test you to see whether or not you love me and you love my family and whether or not you get your act together. Right? That's, that's what this kind of posture looks like. The posture it's describing is uh, a contrarian view, different than the culture of that day. It was that you kneeled. And what, what does this just do right now? It's an act of submission, right? Humility. God, I, I don't have this all figured out. I, and so I kneel before you and humbly and just ask for your help because I'm, I'm not always a good dad. I'm not always a good father. I'm not always a good roommate. I want to change uh, my children. I want to change my wife. I want to change my roommate, but I can't. So I just pray that you would make me into the person you created me and help me to respond in the ways that you would desire me to respond. Because I'm not, I'm not going to get it all figured out. Kneeling before the Father, that act of humility and submission is required if you want your family, whatever your family looks like, to live on mission. And I just want to ask you, because I, I do this well in seasons of my life. And in seasons of my life, I don't do this well. And just a little check this morning. How are you doing with that? Kneeling before the Father, praying for the, the relationships in your life, specifically for your dating life, for your marriage, for your children. For, and some of you are like, well, I've been praying. Nothing's been happening. We'll, we'll talk about that. But a lot of us in the room... We just, we tried to fix all the problems that we've got, and we haven't taken the time to kneel before the Father in an act of humility and submission and ask for His help. If you want your family to live on mission, start there. Number two, if you're taking notes, invite the love of Christ into your family. <laughs> invite the love of Christ into your family. Some of you are like, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to invite the love of Christ. What in the world does that mean? It means... You can tell the fruit of whether or not the love of Christ is dwelling in your family by the interactions you're having with one another. Let me explain. Like, in the seasons in my family where we are bickering and we are, you know, upset at each other or upset at the children and we're saying things that we regret later, it usually means that in that season of our life, we were not being dwelled by the Lord and allowing his love to come into our family. It usually meant that we were trying to control the situation and fix these problems ourselves and trying to get the other person to understand how wrong they were. You been there? My mentor, Glenn Gunderson in Southern California, he was the pastor of the church I worked at for seven years. He would always talk about when he and his wife, uh, Kimberly, would argue, they would separate and go spend time in prayer for just a little bit, and when they would come back together, they would inevitably end up fighting the other side of the argument because God had begun to give them eyes for what their, their spouse's view was. And some of you are saying, like, um, yeah, I grew up Italian. We don't do that. My wife's half Italian, and um, I get it. I'm not telling you you have to be culturally somebody that you're not, right? Like, be who you are. It's okay. We all have different personalities. 
But I guarantee if you're like, I go do and I try that and I spend time in prayer and then I just come back and we're still fighting the same argument, it usually means you've been praying like this. You need to teach him. You need to tell her. You need, and you haven't been praying like this, God. I'm not perfect. I need your help. I can't change my spouse, God. I can only change myself. So God, change me. Help me to see my spouse with your eyes. That's a different way of approaching it. As Pastor Davey talked about with conflict reconciliation last weekend, did a great job with that. But you have to invite the love of Christ into your family. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The word of God wants to dwell in you and the love of God wants to pour out of your life because of it. If people don't look at my life, your life, and go, man, that person's been with Jesus because they just love people so well, there's probably an issue going on in our lives or in our family's lives if they don't see that. And man, that's convicting, isn't it? And I know in in our family, there are seasons where we do that well, and definitely seasons where we don't. And here's the reason when we don't, we don't see... uh, the love of Christ pouring out. I used this illustration with the couch all the way back in January. It was a different couch. Today, for this morning's purposes, I brought in the love seat. Because when Christ says he wants to dwell in you and you would be rooted and established in his love, it it means that he has to be rooted in your life. It means that like he comes in, if your life's a sofa, the love seat here together in your marriage, in your, your, with your roommates, with your kiddos, whatever it looks like, it means in those relationships in your family, he comes in and he's, he's about to sit down and he's like, oh, wait a second, there are some things here taking up some space. I'm going to need to rearrange some things. I, I know that you think that like spending three hours every night watching all the shows on Netflix that you can is the important part for your mental stability so that you can get up again after having two glasses of wine that evening so you could just survive your job and your children and get through life. Been there? And he says, no, you actually, you don't need that to survive. And some of you are like, but but this, this right here, like, this is the thing I have to have. I have to have enough money so I can have my things. It's like my one escape. Don't take it away from me because I need it. I couldn't live differently. It's just how I am. And I, I just, I need it so And he just comes in. You see where I'm going? He says, no, I'm going to sit down a little bit. I'm going to take up some space in here. I'm going to rearrange some things according to what you really need. Now, for some of you, you like control. And seeing this right here just makes you real uncomfortable, doesn't it? There are parts of you, you want to run up to the stage right now and pick up that pillow. I know it. Uh, Apparently, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, and I seek control in life. So I know where you're coming from. And see, what he does is he comes in, he kind of cleans house a little bit, and he rearranges some things. And that's the part that takes humility, right? Because if you don't ever have the humility to pray like this instead of like this, He can never come in and change things. And so that's why we have pride of people who never talk to a family member ever again because I don't want to let them in. I'm I'm prideful, I'm proud, and I'm not going to change. You need to change. You were wrong. It takes humility. You'll never live on mission, become the person God created you to be. And then here's what he might do. He might pick these pillows up, and he might turn them around and say, well, you know, I know you thought you needed this in your life, but I'm going to bring something different into your life. 
See, some of you, he's cleaned house a little bit. He's gotten things healthy, spiritually speaking. And some of you need to invite a little bit of things back into your life. To say, I'm going to, actually, I'm going to adopt a child. If Christians just took in the foster care children in our state, we would not have a single child without a home. He might tell some of you that, I know you got rid of this thing in your life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time, I'm going to make uh, resources, I'm going to make your abilities available to invest in somebody who truly needs it. You're going to get involved in a ministry or an outpost or a church plant, and you're going to begin to look differently. And he's still dwelling in with you, but now he's comfortable because the things that are now in your life are of him and his mission. And if you want to be a family living on mission, you're going to have to let him reorient some things. His love must be rooted and established in your life and dwell with you. That's how people begin to see a change. They don't see a change by you pridefully going, I got it all figured out, but I want to go to heaven when I die. It comes from him letting him come in and kind of wreck things a little bit, transform things, change things. And that's what Paul is getting at here. He tells them, my prayer for you is that you kneel and you find your family identity before the Father, whatever your family looks like, and then that you be rooted and established in his love, that people look at you and they go, man, there's some changed people in the way that they're living. Question I want to ask you, is your family rooted and established in Christ's love? You feel guilty about it, but just a question, is it? I look at that and I go, man, sometimes. Take a step forward today. Invite the Lord a little bit more into your life. Begin to open things up. Allow him to rearrange some things so that we can see number three. That your family, yes, your family. You're like, no, not my family. Yes, you, your family, your roommate situation, your marriage, your dating life, your friends, your children, your family could be used by God more than you can imagine. He ends the prayer with these three verses. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That people could look at you and go, oh, God is alive in your life and your family's life. How do I be like you? You have it all together. And that's when you have to go, no, nope, I don't. I don't have it all together. I got lots of failures, but I know the one who does. And I let him rearrange some things in my life. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look at verse 20 again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine. To him. And so the question, if you want your family to live on mission is, how fully... Are you a vessel of allowing God to do immeasurably more in you? Or are you always saying, I don't have time. I would love to do that, but I just don't have the time. I would love to do that, but I just don't have the resources. I would love to do that, but I'm just not gifted. I need to find someone else to do it. I believe if God is calling you to do it, he will figure out and bring people around you to create the team to accomplish the vision. You see, I believe this so fully that God could use you to do immeasurably more than you could ever possibly imagine. That, that is the, the good things that have happened in our church is because families have, have taken that in. And I'm going to give you the big picture of our church family. But I want to keep in mind, it starts with your personal family and finding your identity kneeling before the Father. That he could use you to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We announced... Uh, about a year and a half ago, that 
Instead of just starting a campus somewhere, we believed in church planting, and so we were going to start four new Mercy Road churches, share our name, vision, and values. They will be called locations until the, uh, about year three when we start cutting the cord and spinning them off into new churches. And I can't wait to see how God uses this in a powerful way because the building at the Northwest location is being painted right now. And you could be over there this week volunteering. They have their trunk or treat, big outreach to the community tonight. Go there. It's 9511 Angola Court, right on West 96th Street, just east of Michigan Road. It's right there. on. You can see it from 465, the former ITT property. And we'd love for you to go out there today for the trunk or treat uh, this evening. Begin to live on mission in that way. And so as we start these four locations, here's the, the question I want you to ask. Why or how can you see your family do immeasurably more together? What would this look like? The first thing you'd have to do is to stop thinking of balance and think seasons. So we're going to talk about the big C church in here in just a moment. Uh, but I want to apply this to your, your personal life now. You have to stop thinking about balance and thinking seasons. Look at the Apostle Paul's life in the New Testament. Does he look very balanced to you? He's traveling all over the Roman Empire. He's getting thrown in and out of jail. Like, look at Peter's life. He's away from home base, his family all the time. He's out living on mission. Like, God does not call us to balance. He calls us to seasons. And that's why in John chapter 15, if we're going to see God more fully infiltrate us, John 15 says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and that how do we continue to bear fruit? We abide in him. We have to stay connected to him. And there are going to be, uh, we teach us in our discipleship huddles, seasons of rest with him where he, we're abiding in him and he's filling us up. And then seasons of work and kingdom advancement with him. I don't know which one that you're in, but we tend to like just stay to one side and call it balance. We're called to have seasons. And what I mean by that is some of you, you're always about doing and accomplishing. You got that pedal to the metal 24-7, 365 days a year until the day I die. We're probably going to die sooner. Right? Like, there are seasons of rest with the Lord, not just work and advancement. And then the same thing's true. Some of you, you love that rest stuff. I'm just going to rest in the Lord forever. I've been resting since I've known him. Come to church every weekend, sit in that seat. I've gotten real comfortable in that seat. It's a nice seat, too. 21 inches, not 18 inches. This church went all out. And you need to get out. You need to swing back and have a season of advancement. We need some of you right now to get advancement in these new locations to say God could use you to make an impact. It's going to start in your family to stop thinking about balance and think about seasons. Number two, manage your energy output, not just your time. Our teaching team was thinking about the things that keep us from doing this so often. Manage your energy output, not your time. You're never going to get control of your time and your calendar exactly what you want. But you can recognize spiritually when you're in a season of health and when you're in a season of not. And if you're not healthy, it may be because you've been pushing the pedal too much and you need to rest and abide in him a little bit more. And if you're not healthy, it may be that you're resting, abiding him and rest so much that you haven't abided in him and work and you're getting spiritually fat and unhealthy and indulging. Manage your energy output, not your time. Number three, serve as a family. I haven't done enough of this. I took my son with me, who's 10, uh, to help just do some manual labor for Dotted Line Divas a couple of months ago, a, a pantry that we helped support. And it was one of the best things I've ever done for my son. I could try and talk him into building his character all along, but if you actually physically is helping someone make an impact that could use some help, 
that's transformative to his character. So I'm looking, man, how can I invite my kids into stuff? I've been trying to figure out how can I invite my wife into more things so that we could actually be a family on mission. Then the last one here is this. Remember, the kingdom does not promise comfort. Next weekend, we're going to talk all about this. Matthew chapter 6, it says, seek first his kingdom. And in verse 24 of Matthew 6, he uses an Aramaic word. It's the only word in, in that uh, whole passage that's not Greek. And, and the word is mammon. And it doesn't just mean wealth, it means comfort. Don't miss next weekend. God does not c- promise us comfort when advancing the kingdom. Sometimes it takes sacrifice. And I find, again, we're either on one side of the pendulum or the other. When you love the rest side, anytime you feel like you're, being, you're sacrificing or you're getting tired, you think that that's unspiritual. The kingdom does not promise comfort. We're all here today because 12, 11 individuals plus Paul went out and told the good news of Jesus, and then they transformed people and discipled them. They went out, and there was all kinds of sacrifice and kingdom advancement, and it's going to take that. It's going to take you going, I'm not just going to live to get spiritually fat the rest of my life. I'm going to have my family begin to live on mission. Now let's apply this to the life of our church and not just our individual families. See, here's, here's what I see, some exciting things coming, ways that you could do this right now in the life of our church. And I got some exciting news to share with you. I told many of you that you would hear this this weekend. For those who have been showing up to worship on the water, and if you're watching online right now, hey, all of you, I know you drive like a half an hour, some of you, uh, or 45 minutes to be here on the weekends. We're really excited after about a 20-plus month search we have finally found a location for our guys' location. Guess what? Yeah, you could, you could celebrate that. And this is always God's timing. I was frustrated, and yet God provided something way better than we could have imagined because, you know, the question we'd always get is, why Fishers? You know, you got, they got Holy O Road right over there. What do we need another church building for? And I love all those churches over there, and they're doing great work. But... Uh, we got that question literally all the time. And we were like, I don't know. Why do we have all these people showing up? Well, we, we actually, the location we ended up at, there aren't as many uh, churches like us. And so we're, there are churches there, but not, not like us. And so we're pretty excited to be able to find a space that we think uh, a new church is really going to be helpful to the greater kingdom. Because when we get to heaven, there's going to be no mercy road section of heaven. Right? Amen? So uh, you can put this. I know they tell you turn your phones off. Turn it on. Get on Google Maps right now. Um, if you want bad advice, go to Apple Maps, but otherwise go to Google Maps, put in 611 Vitality Drive, Fortville, Indiana. Yeah, thank you, Fortville. Thank you. Yes. Um, Some of you are like, where is Fortville? That might as well be a million miles away. so Fortville's kind of the, where a lot of the new developing is going on. It's a really cool uh, small town there that God's using, and we see it as a uh, a credible opportunity as a bridge to both Marion, Hancock, and uh, Hamilton counties all come together right there. And you could go from Lawrence uh, it's, uh, to, to Pendleton to, to Fishers to Geist, and it's only about six or seven minutes from where we've been meeting at Wolfie's for Worship on the Water. It's just a huge godsend. And for less than we spent on the other two buildings, we're actually going to buy an existing church property uh, that is on 18 acres for long-term development. It already has an 18,000 square foot church facility and this amazing church that uh, built the building 18 years ago. The pastor has been having physical ailments and I want you to pray for that church. It's called the Bridge Church. Their last Sunday is this morning. And, you know, most churches don't think like this. They think we're going to keep this 
in our hand, in our cold, dying hand, until, you know, there's two people in this church left, and they haven't thought like that. They thought, how can we see the kingdom advance? And so they, they gave us a big discount, and we're really excited to purchase that property. It's going to help pay for the retirement for this pastor and pay off the debt they had on the building. And um, we're just so pumped and feel like God's in the middle of it all. Uh, but that, that property, it's right where 96th Street dead ends, right into uh, Pendleton Pike at downtown Fortville, right there. And our primary target for this was actually like Hamilton southeastern area, so think like the east side. Um, and it really makes it easy for those in Fishers to kind of figure out, are we going to stay in Carmel? Are we going to go over there? Well, now we're giving you plenty of distance. So we, we, we're really pumped. We think God is just all over this. And we believe we've even found a location pastor and uh, for... for uh, him and his current area. It's not official yet, but um, we hope to announce that by the end of the year. Uh, our goal is to close on this property on January 31st. And if you're new to Mercy Road and you're like, I don't need all these details, just wait a minute. I'll get to the end. It'll be a really great conclusion to the sermon. But for everybody else, you know, we hope to close on this property on January 31st. And that means we need to raise an additional $650,000 towards the Compassion Campaign. And I, I know there are uh, if there are questions, I want to answer some. And here is the thing. First of all, all this fits in the original Compassion Campaign. We're not adding any dollars to the Compassion Campaign that we started a year ago. This is all part of that $3 million campaign. In fact, this even fits perfectly into what we told you a year ago at those dinners in the dollar amounts. It's even less than the dollar amounts than we told you, actually. And so the, it fits within that $3 million Compassion Campaign. Cash flow-wise, it means that we currently have Compassion Commitments for $2 million $181,750, $2,181,750, and out of that, we've raised $1,320,000, which is just amazing in a year to have done that, and so I don't want to take that lightly, like we're kind of ahead of schedule towards the $3 million goal, however, we need $650,000, we knew this was the next big thing to come in by January 31st so we can close on that property. And like every other time we've done something like this, I have no idea where the funds are coming from. No one has any idea. And we're just going to have to pray big and go, okay, God, what's this look like for our family? And we're not going to guilt you into anything. You come here for the next hundred years and never give a dime. We're not doing this to try. And, we just believe in advancing God's kingdom. And this is one way that we can do that by starting a church, a life-giving church in that community. And I can't wait to see uh, what God does with that. We will be having um, Geist location dinners as a part of the Compassion Campaign. So you can see the building. It'll be more informal than our previous ones. And it's coming quickly so that we could do this November 10th and December 8th. If you could put that down right now. Uh, on your calendar, and we're going to begin sending the links out this week. It's all come really quickly, so uh, I hope you're ready, and you'll get to see the buildings on those weekends, and if you're new to the church and would like to make a commitment towards the Compassion Campaign, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, we do want you to RSVP for those things, and we'll have the links going out in the e-newsletter, on social media all week this week. Uh, so those are the dates. Leave that up there for just a second, because I want to talk for a moment uh, about this. Uh, this is going to take everybody's effort, and this is the last big thing we have to kind of accomplish. If we can do this, everything we said in the Compassion Campaign, we believe will eventually come through. And this next three months will determine a lot of stuff. And so many of you have sacrificed already, and I'm excited to share with you, we have about $200,000 already committed towards that $650,000 goal. 
So when I said I didn't know where I was coming from, I was slightly lying by about 40% or something. But, so be praying that we could fulfill all of that stuff. Then we have the Northwest location, 9511 Angola Court. That is about hopefully going to start services in early December. And then we're going to launch out. Uh, and, and grand openings will be at the first of the year in January. And then next weekend... The downtown new portable one is launching in the Athenaeum, the downtown Indianapolis location on Mass Avenue in the Athenaeum. Pastor John, they're doing their pre-launch services. Their launch is happening next weekend, leading up to their bigger grand openings in January. Pray, 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 pray. You, some of you just need to go down there and support them next week and just say, hey, I'm going to check this out for one week or two weeks as they get going. Northwest, we need your help now. Go to the, the truck or treat tonight. And then finally... We're excited to share the new launch of our network uh, church website. It's pretty simple right now, but you can now go to mercyroad.church. So if you're trying to explain to a family member or friend, you don't have to remember all the different URLs. Just send them to mercyroad.church, and it has a link to all the different locations. Okay, let me close this out. The guys are like, dude, you're going to preach until the next service starts. See... I'm pretty passionate about it this weekend. I don't know if because I haven't preached in four weeks, but it's also because I believe in what we're about to do. And we have had people from, literally from around the country reach out to try and figure out what in the world is happening. How are you doing this? And all I can say is that we literally have just believed in the God that the New Testament preaches about, teaches about, and we have believed that God could transform this generation in a culture that is pretty dark right now, if we're honest. And because of that, we've just gone, okay, God's in control. Our goal is not for Mercy Road Church to survive. That's not our goal. Most of the churches that existed 200 years ago no longer exist. Our goal isn't to survive. Our goal is to reach as many people for Christ in our lifetime as we possibly can. And we will risk everything to advance the kingdom if it means one more person will spend eternity with God. And guess what? That doesn't start with a pastor or a strategy or even church planting. It starts with you and your family unit. Whatever that family unit looks like. If your family unit has not allowed God to come in and just make some space and to reorient some things and get comfortable because we're too much like this and we're not enough like this, this is the morning to start changing that. And you're like, but I have generational sin in my life and my family's life and my parents didn't teach this to me. My grandparents didn't teach this to me. And I want to tell you, I've seen over and over again, if somebody simply has the humility to open their lives and their family unit up to the advancement of God in their, world, in their lives, you could actually see God do immeasurably more than you ever thought possible. And it won't be because you're a good dad or a good husband or a good mom or a good uh, a child, or a good roommate, although hopefully you are all of those things, it will be because he is who he said he was. But you have to dwell, let him dwell with you. You have to let him come in and reorient. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that in your family this morning. God, we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in this space right now. And I know that you have been speaking to at least one person in this room. They have been doing life their own way. And this morning, they're going to say, I'm not going to do it anymore. I give you control. I give you control. If that's you in the room, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you right where you are. 
not because of the things you do for him, but because he loves you. He created you on purpose for a purpose. He wants to utilize you and your family and your sphere of influence to make a way bigger impact with your life than you ever thought possible. But it would only happen if you submit to his love first. So if that's you in the room, I want you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I need you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing by doing life on my own. And on this morning, October 27th, 2019, I surrender my life and my family's life to you fully. Utilize me, Jesus. I love you. Pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.